Welcome to the Generation 21 podcast with me, Mohammed, and me, Mira, where we sit down with artists and arts leaders to talk about their journeys into the industry. This week, we sit down with multi-instrumentalist Vijay Venkat as we discuss his musical journey from the mridangam to the violin, his interesting career choice from tennis player to musician, and insights into the mathematics of Carnatic music. We just have so much we want to ask you because you are such a a talented musician and you do so much and we just we want to know everything. Try to do my best. <laughs> so I think the first question that we go we have is how does a person who has an MA in anthropology from Jinnah University who wanted to become a professional tennis player um end up as a musician? I don't know where in you got England. <laughs> is any of that right? Yeah, it is all correct. We did our homework. I did um initially I joined biomedical genetics. Biomedical genetics is a very coveted course in Madras. There were only eight seats and there was one seat for cultural quota and there were about 400 and odd applicants from all over the country. So I played the flute and got the admission, whereas other people got 98%, 97% to get admission. Mm-hmm. And I sat in the class for one day and I ran away because I didn't want to be peering through the microscopes all my life. I wanted to be with music. And uh, so I chose anthropology and it is all to do with human beings because anthropo is man and ology is science, science of man. So I was very interested in that. And also it gave me scope to have the freedom to pursue my music. So I did MPhil in anthropology and I started doing my PhD, but I gave it half, I gave it up half a because I started traveling with musicians as well as dancers. I used to play for top classical dancers of India. Um, so I used to travel around the globe. So I gave up my PhD, and that's the story. Can we talk about tennis playing? Because I read this and I was like, "Hold on, what?" Absolutely taken by that fact. I am actually. Uh, tennis. I mean, I got introduced to tennis a little bit later than usual age that people start. Like probably around uh, when I was 14 or 15 years old, I started playing tennis and it became my passion. I left music for six to seven years. I didn't leave it totally, but totally neglected it and concentrated completely in tennis. And then I wanted to be a professional in tennis. And I had one of the most powerful serves in India. Really? And, yeah. Really? Incredible. And uh, I started to play tournaments and um, I was doing well but I twisted my ankle as fate would have it. And then I had to sit at home for one month with a plastered uh, ankle. And Oof. then I was brainwashed by my family and uh, <laughs> close friends to be Brainwashed to by his family, you heard it here first. That, yeah, sports is a short-lived profession. Mm. So rather to concentrate in music, which was, they thought it is God given to me. So I took the decision to stop playing tennis because if I went to the tennis court, then I'll get mad about it again. Ah. So did you ever sort of rekindle that connection? I didn't try to. I watch tennis occasionally because recently I stepped onto a tennis court and it started pulling me back in. Ah. And I mean, I will lose my reflexes if I play tennis. I love the sport a lot, but I know through experience, my hands will become rough and it will definitely have an impact on my the way I handle my instruments. So I don't want to take that risk. That's how my tennis playing came to an end. <laughs> so if we rewind a little bit, mm-hmm. what was your journey into music? Where did that start? My grandmother, whom I never 
met or seen. Um, my father's mother was supposed to have played violin at a good level, but she was not a professional. And my father is a Mridangist. He's a Mridangam okay. artist. He has played for all the top stalwarts like Dr. Balamali Krishna, wow. Sheshugopalan, DK Jayaraman, Maharaj Puram Santanam. All these are um, legends of uh, Carnatic music. Um, and he introduced me into violin uh, at a young age. And uh, initially, I was not so much interested in music. I was very playful and tried to avoid going to classes or my teacher used to come home and teach me and that was a great blessing because he's one of the greatest Sanskrit scholars and a great violinist. He belongs to the same Gurukul or the, um, what do you call it, lineage uh, that Dr. Balamali Krishna comes from. They are all uh, descendants of uh, St. Tyagaraja's lineage. So my guru comes from the same lineage of Dr. Balamali Krishna's. He really took liking to me and my capabilities, so he blessed me that way, coming home and teaching, although it's not the norm. But I, because it was coming home, I took it a bit lightly. I took it for granted, but he never, he never ever changed his ways. He always gave me a lot, and uh, slowly I progressed. And I don't have any living idols of music, because all my idols were my great grand gurus or grand gurus. And I idolized them, and none of the living masters uh, influenced me, my playing. So I never used to listen to a lot of music, just to keep my own style um, to myself, like not to get influenced by new styles and stuff like that. So I wanted to have that kind of um, purity of my own being, my individuality in all my playing, on all the instruments. So when you say all the instruments, how many? So we've heard flute uh, and violin. Yeah, my. <laughs> Can you list every instrument that you? Play? I'm not good at everything because I tried everything because my dad made me try everything, uh, because he thought I would at least be interested in one. And my first, my debut performance, the very first one was in was on rhythm. Was it really? Yeah, I didn't and That's learn... the drum, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. a South Indian percussion instrument. It's like tabla, but in the south of India, it's called yeah. rhythm, and it's played. Um, it's placed, I mean, the drums are played horizontally. I know, right. So it's a, so two barrel fest, shaped. Yeah, barrel shaped drum. Yeah. Mrut means clay. Angam is the one that's made of clay because, because it's a mrutangam. That's how the name came. But ah. these days it's not made of clay, it's made of wood. Ah, so, interesting. It's great to get these sort of um, breakdowns of the words mm. so that we can really understand the music because we come across these kind of mm. instruments in our work, but. To that level, we don't really get Angam to. Is, all, is part, because these are all our Angus. bodily angams, our limbs are mm. called angams. Angams are all parts. So, mrut angam, mrudangam. It became mrudangam. Okay, huh. so then after um, the mrudangam, did you stay with that for a while? No, I was already learning violin and okay. a bit of singing as well. Um, so, I stayed with mrudangam for a bit. But my dad didn't teach me mrudangam because they won't be disciplined learning from our, our own parents. So, he put, put me under a great teacher by name Mahadevu Radha Krishna Raju and he was a disciple of one of the three great Mridangam masters. Um, he was a disciple of Palani Subramanya Pillai and so I learned in that lineage. I didn't take Mridangam very seriously, didn't take it up because playing a lot of Mridangam will damage my fingers definitely and 
fingers will become hard. My my father's hands are hard. I mean, the mm. palm palm needs to be really su- uh, supple and uh, soft in order to be able to play decent flute, or for that matter, even violin. And uh, I had to give up guitar, so classical guitar is. So I used to actually play without the pluck drum, plucking with the fingers mm. and playing classical guitar. So I had to give it up because my fingertips were becoming hard on my left hand, and that would affect my violin playing. So. So these are the kind of sacrifices I had to make by choosing certain instruments which I cannot leave, which means I have to leave other instruments that might harm these these particular instruments that I play. So was that a conscious decision? It was a conscious mission? decision. Also, my dad told me to, he advised me to do that because okay. violin became a very close instrument to my heart and uh, I pursued violin continuously. Violin has a special place in Carnatic music because there is no concert without violin. Either it is playing as a main instrument or it is an accompaniment instrument. And then a great Shanai master, Pandita Shokumar. So he taught me Shanai and he wanted me to take up Shanai seriously. He wanted me to accompany him for his programs. But I also remember instances where I used to, I skipped a few, few of his lessons just to be with my friends. Yeah. And then, because my father worked in Olja Radio, he came to know that I didn't attend the class, and so I got oh some scoldings at home. <laughs> so I was not a really a studious kind of a music student. I you say to... that, but like Look two, four, s- seven, <laughs> seven instruments I've counted so far, and I don't think we've finished the list yet. Yeah, I learned tabla, but I stopped tabla for the same reason uh, that I stopped the mridangam. Mm-hmm. And tabla also, you use lots of fingertips on your left hand to do the gamakam. And um, that definitely hardens the fingertips. And so I had to stop that after learning for about a year or more. And my tabla teacher always thought I had a very good touch on tabla. So <laughs> I'm seeing unfo- a pattern here. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, I had to stop that. And then I started practicing at home and started to play the items that I play on my violin on the flute. And one of my father's friends, close friends, who was a great artist on the flute himself and who taught several musicians. He listened to me playing. I was practicing in a different room and then he asked my dad where I was learning and my dad told what has happened and he said, oh, no, he's really talented. He shouldn't be left like this. And he took me to my um, main flute guru, Sri T.S. Shankaran, who has um, taught me really good compositions and a nice style. Some people ask me, oh, what is the instrument that you like the most? I like all of them. But I'm not. I'm, I only regret that I'm not able to play all of them. I can only. I only chose to play four of them right now. I play vichitravina, um, viola, violin, and the bamboo flute. These are the main instruments right now. Mohammed is adding to his list. I'm adding to my list. <laughs> okay. Two, four, six, eight, ten so far. And I play play a little bit of clarinet. I need to practice it. Uh, just I mean, a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit because I didn't have time to practice it, and. Um, that's it. It keeps going, so I don't want to be <laughs> going on. <laughs> so, how important is lineage in in kind of Indian classical music? And and I guess what w- for those people that are not familiar with it, because lineage doesn't work in the same way in Western classical music, for example, mm. as it does in Indian. So, kind of, I guess, what is it? And let, uh, let's talk about its importance. Okay, lineage is like a family tree, mm-hmm. where it belongs to your gurus, branching out from the first guru and his disciples and disciples' disciples, because they all follow the same pattern of teaching. Um, they might have their own innovations, in, I mean, like, because of their experience while teaching, you 
naturally add different ingredients that match you and your way of teaching, but still you'll be following a particular pattern. A Guru Sishya Parampara, it is called. Parampara is the tradition. Guru Sishya Parampara means it's from Guru, the knowledge is transferred to the Shishya. Shishya becomes Guru later on in his life or her life. And then they transfer it to their disciples. So that comes as a lineage. So based on people singing or performing on the particular instrument, you can trace their lineage. You can say, oh, they are actually singing like this particular great master. So they must be connected to that lineage. So lineage determines how you present your art. I believe in lineages, but at the same time, I believe a musician should have his or her own stamp on it. I don't like to imitate someone else, even if they are my gurus. I will never ever be my gurus. I am a speck of their knowledge. They have given me and I'll try to do justice to that. That's my, my way of thinking. Once the gurus leave, we might have to be learning on our own, all our lives. So what I learn will still be influenced by how my gurus taught me. So that discipline stays with me till the end. So that's how I teach my students also. When I teach my students, they get it served on a platter. They don't need to practice thousand times like me to discover how to play that because I already found how to do that. I'll teach them that technique so they are progressing quickly. So what happens is generation after generation, the progress is quicker because more and more of knowledge is gathered and presented to a student much more in an easier way. And lineage also helps in understanding the greatness of your gurus. A devotion to a lineage will let you discover the beauty of that particular lineage. If everyone played the same, then music will be really boring. If everyone sang the same, it'll be boring. So it's all going well for music, I think, that way. <laughs> That's the takeaway. It's all going really well for mm. music. And I, for one thing, I take pride in saying that I ask my students to listen to each and every singer, each and every instrumentalist. There are no restrictions. I want all the musicians to listen to everyone, appreciate each, each other, and there is no need to be insecure about anything because that's also there in the field. Each one's art is special, and each one is blessed with a particular capability that another person cannot ever reproduce because we're all different humans, different souls. So our experience, our journey is really fantastic. So I admire a beginner to a very old master uh, with equal open heart. That's and I want to remain like this all my life. I don't want to change. That's what I pray always. Thanks for giving me this kind of uh, an open mind. I want to be like this till the end. That's beautiful, I think. Yeah, it is. I just thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about Carnatic music and how it's distinct from Hindustani music, what it's... It was not that different. The uh, South Indian and North Indian classical music always had the same elements. But only the language was different because of the compositions and um, people and cult culture and languages that they followed. And after that, it underwent a major change in North India because of Persian influence and all of that. Lots of the way they present the compositions, everything changed. Funnily, Indian music has so many genres and so many yes. sub-classifications. Like, for example, uh, I'll just talk about Carnatic classical music. You've got Carnatic classical music, then you've got devotional music, Carnatic music itself is devotional, but devotional music is more to do with non-improvised presentation of compositions. 
devotional music, light classical music, classical, I mean, light classical music and light light music as well. So there are so many genres and subgenres that preserved the sanctity of the compositions, even though there was dilution in so many ways. And if you look at it, the Kayal style was evolved later on because of the influences from other cultures. Whereas the Carnatic classical music, South Indian classical music remained in its original form, there was not much of influence from um, outsiders who came to the country. So we still have all these compositions preserved as they were sung by the composers. I wouldn't say as written by the composers because the Carnatic composers sang out of spiritual ecstasy. And we lost so many hundreds and hundreds of compositions because no one was there to take note of what they were singing. Some of their disciples took notes of what they sang and asked them questions about what they sang. What is this raga about? What is this? And what is this thala? Thala is the rhythmic cycle. And then the masters explained it to their disciples and they took notes and preserved those compositions. Uh, Saint Tagraja was supposed to have sung 24,000 compositions as um, as are the verses of Valmiki Ramayana. Did you say 24,000? Oh, yeah, we only have around 800 now. Oh, wow. Some of the compositions were burnt by fanatical politicians in Tamil Nadu who were against the language of Telugu and Sanskrit. And the remaining 800 are preserved. And these 800 take a lifetime to understand and uh, master. Well, we, can, we can probably never master them. And imagine how poor we are without those 24,000s. The greatest contribution to Carnatic music was made by Saint Tyagaraja and Shyama Sastri and Muthuswami Dikshit. All the, these three great composers are called the Trinity of Carnatic music. So the major difference between Hindustani or North Indian classical music or Carnatic or South Indian classical music is the way we balance the improvisational aspect as as well as the written aspect or compositional aspect. Compositional aspect is very, very, very important in Carnatic music. Whereas, mostly in Kyal style, in, in Drupal style, you got lots of compositions, but mm -hmm. still there, the improvisational aspect is very prominent. Probably it was the same in Carnatic music also until it changed when it became more of an entertaining kind of a medium where people have had to sing for audiences. You couldn't be singing a raga or improvising a musical scale for three hours, four hours at a stretch because people, not everyone can enjoy that kind of um, showcasing of expertise. The presentation style also changed in Carnatic music from being four hours concerts with two or three items or maximum four items to two hour concerts or two and a half hour concerts with 10 to 12 items now. So whereas in Hindustani, music, even if it's a two-hour concert, you can hear probably three three items uh, because the improvisational aspect is still very, very important. Whereas improvisational aspect in Carnatic music is also very important, but it has been cut short in order to match all the number of items that are presented based on that, the balance has changed. So did you understand what I'm saying? Or is there anything that was not yeah. but clear? No, that's, that's really interesting, the, the division of... Mm those chunks of time for concerts, mm. they change so much over. Yeah, um, and I played concerts for about three and a half hours to even four hour concerts before in India. And I also played two and a half hour concerts regularly. Two and a half hour concerts is natural, I mean, like, very, was very there a, normal. Sorry, to, was there a break? There won't be of? a break in Carnatic concerts. There won't. Said, no, won't be so a that's break. like three to four hours of straight playing. Yeah, straight playing. 
Do you get these... to go to the bathroom or like? <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's no break, then yeah, there's I don't no think break. So. There's no yeah. right, so no bathroom breaks. <laughs> and I was in a musician stop the concert in between and run to the bathroom. <laughs> so, so no, that doesn't sure. happen. I think they'd frown upon that. <laughs> yeah, and also some of the musicians probably feel, rightly feel, that once you give a break, then the momentum is lost. Mm-hmm. Probably, the mood changes. Mm. It becomes a little bit mechanical. Would you do something like that again? Would you? Yeah, I'm willing to play a three-hour concert if someone wants me to play. I actually played a three-hour concert in Paris in 2010 as part of um, Autumn Festival. I played three concerts on three consecutive days. Each one lasted minimum of three hours. Three consecutive, oh, consecutive concerts, days. and without a break. That's nine they hours of performance. It. They wanted um, the concerts to be in the traditional Indian format, so micless concerts, which I love. Mm. Uh, without Mike, I played flute and Vijitramina con- separate concerts. It was three hours non-stop playing. An audience, most of them sat, they never moved. Maybe a one, three or four older people wa- who wanted to just use the washroom mm-hmm. might have gone out for five minutes and would have come back in. But people listened to it so attentively. So I'm sure uh, if we give our best, there are people who are willing to listen to it. That's insane. Dedicated. But I do listen. think yeah. about my audience and their comforts, so... The thing is, like, if we enjoy our music and we immerse ourselves with it and become one with it, then the audience will be taken on a good journey for themselves. If we're not able to do that, we are mechanical, then they will lose out on it if we don't do the right things. By saying right things, I also say do justice to your gurus. Always have the reverence and respect for your gurus. Be always humble and be always grateful. So you perform fusion music with Rafiki Jazz. Um, so could you tell us a bit about the group and the kind of music you make? Yeah, I played fusion. I played jazz fusion even when I was in India and it developed further after coming here because I, I did more of research into jazz styles in my music masters because I have a master's degree in music and from Middlesex University uh, where I did my special specialization is in jazz fusion compositions and performance. You're very busy, I have to say. I'm not busy actually. I'm <laughs> From Middlesex University. <laughs> and um, This is going on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> Single-handedly going to write the whole thing. That's two MAs I've counted so far. That means there must be at least one BA somewhere. BSc Botany or um, molecular, molecular Biology and Biochemistry is the main subject. It's Botany. Right. And from... Three uh, degrees I've counted so far. Three degrees, I think 11 instruments, or is it 12? 12. This is fascinating. (laughs) I mean, for us, we don't think we have the time for most things and you have made. You have made the time for everything. Yeah, but uh, in the process, you have to sacrifice a lot of other things. No friends, no socializing. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you have friends. and (laughs) I do have friends now. (laughs) But when I was growing up, I do have friends, but I never used to like go out for movies or going out to... So it's unlikely we'd see you at a rave. Is what you're saying? No, I never have been to rave even now. <laughs> I would like to see how it is, actually. But okay, <laughs> I don't think the music. It's all about broadening knowledge of the world, isn't That's it? Okay, you were that asking could be me another about you're, you were asking me about fusion music. That's where yes, it's all come from. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was in India, I was doing my own jazz fusion. I didn't play with other fusion bands or anything like that because I was not. There are some fusion bands that uses Carnatic compositions and do fusion music, and I'm totally against it. Okay. And I said that in an interview for the national newspaper Hindu that people are using 
I won't mention the names. There are top names that are doing it, uh, taking Carnatic music compositions and using it with drum pads and stuff like that and making a mockery of classical, classical music. I tell all of them, compose your own music and do fusion or don't do it. Don't take classical music and destroy them. Like, for example, I start to create nonsense with Bach compositions or Beethoven's compositions and all that. Are the classical musicians going to like it? No, they won't. Whereas in India, they think it is a fashion to do that. Mm. And they are killing the classical music. If we all start to do that just for the sake of getting some concerts or making some money, then what will happen to the future generations? They all think it is acceptable. So the classical system will get diluted. All of us actually, but some of us need to be really strict with that, not be selfish with that, and maintain the purity of classical tradition. There is so much of innovation that you can do in classical tradition, you know, as much as you can create your own fusion music, but don't meddle the classical traditions, I would say. If you want to do fusion music, study more than one system, don't be closed, and be fixated on your own system and try to rub it on others, but learn other art forms, other styles, and try to incorporate the elements of all the styles so that it becomes proper fusion. Of course, if I play Carnatic music style, not the compositions, but the style, and play with a Western musician and create our own compositions, it's still fusion because I'm playing my style and he's playing his style or her style. And uh, the music that is coming out is a fusion of both styles. So that is also fusion. So you don't need to necessarily know another style. Fusion is a very, very broad term. So one cannot describe that music just saying fusion. I do fusion. So yeah, I do collaborate. Collaboration is a better word actually because you can collaborate with anyone. Um, I played in gospel jazz bands. So I love that music as well. I love gospels and I like that kind of music. And it goes with lots of improvisation. It's, all, it's jazz, it's gospel jazz. It's a different stream of music. And I also, I like modal jazz, which is Miles Davis, Miles Davis style. And um, there are so many of these, I mean, so many of these kind of improvisation elements are already present in Carnatic music. That's a lot of people say Carnatic music is like jazz, but it is not. Jazz is much more deeper. We use jazz very uh, loosely as a term, but pure jazz is totally different. So it takes an entire lifetime to study these styles. And... Uh, Coming to um, Rafiki Jazz, I joined, it's, it's, it's been a band since 2007 under Mr. Tony Bowring from Sheffield, who is a bass player, and he's played with lots of musicians. He nurtured this band, and lots of people joined, and lots of people went out of it, and new people keep coming in. But right now, it's a nine-member nine band, and it's quite steady now. I was invited to be part of them in 2016. I went to see how it, how it is just for an experience. And then now I ended up being one of their integral uh, band members. So we do, and I also play with other musicians. I play with Santor player, my friend, John Ball. Yes. Um, we play flute and Santor duets. And also we are collaborating with Glenn Sharp, who is, um, a fine flamenco guitarist so we are planning on a trio i'm also having a trio that is called ruhani which myself sarah yasin one of the band members of rafiki jazz uh, who is a sufi singer and john ball 
how it started. It's like a trio. We performed a few times. So I'm open to collaborating with other musicians because I like that um, kind of challenges that come with that. And yeah, you can explore yourself a lot through these kind of collaborations. It's fun. I want to pick up jazz as a as a genre because jazz for some reason <laughs> uh lends itself really well for collaborative projects why do you think that might be that's the because case? it's like entirely uh improvisational music it's totally improvised except for a short very short riff or theme that we have the rest of it is all improvised and it all improvisation all rotates around the chord structures jazz has become like a, a very very stretchable mm-hmm. kind of a genre where you can take an element of jazz and you can call it a different with a different name and you know start your own style and uh, so many styles have evolved from that then it keeps evolving for example we call rafiki jazz but actually it is not jazz style anymore it's like jazz is in modern days um synonymous with improvisational music improvising music so it's a very very big term mm-hmm. to use for all the stuff, sorts of styles. You need to be specific about what kind of jazz you play. Mm. Yeah. Um, so world music, a lot of people, you know, not everyone takes to that term very well. So yeah. when you use it, what do you what do you mean by it? I'm using it because the whole world is using it. I don't agree with the term world music. Unfortunately, <laughs> Indian classical music is being labeled in the West as world music. That is wrong. Mm. Because ours is in a very, very ancient classical tradition that's been there since time immemorial. Um, so whether the West accepts it or not, ours is a classical tradition. And so just like you say Western classical tradition, you have to talk about Indian classical music not as world music, but as a classical tradition. World music is a very loose term because it doesn't describe anything. If if my Egyptian friend comes and plays Egyptian music, it's classified as world music. If I play some ragas, it is classified as world music. If someone else is coming from some another country and singing or playing something, it is called world music. So if someone says, oh, we're going to play world music, then I would say, what are the styles in it? Can you talk about the kind of the places in the world that you've actually performed? Because we, we yeah. touched on it right at the beginning. You've performed with dancers. You performed as a soloist. Um, you I can't name the... Um, but you performed all over the world is what I'm saying. What I guess places what stick out to you in your memory? Uh... I don't have any fancy names here, like theatres and all of that, because... Uh, but locations-wise, as yeah. in... Locations-wise. Okay, I can name the countries. Um, the first time I ever travelled was to Europe, seven countries in Europe. Italy, France. I like Paris. I like Austria. Um, Spain, Germany, Romania, Israel, Syria, um, Australia... America and England, of course. <laughs> of course. Malta, uh, Cyprus, to name what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a mixture of classical and... Yeah, um, dance performances. Collaborations well. yeah. and... Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, in terms of continents, that's like one, two, three, four. I there think one of the wrap-up questions, is there anything <laughs> you don't or haven't done ever? <laughs> I'm not... What do you are to flip that around, I guess? What is it that you still want to do? Yeah. I still want to learn my music properly and I want to practice it properly. I want to develop my the way I play my instruments. 
I want to better myself at how I play it or how I interpret the music. I want to better myself as a musician. I know it's a lifelong process. So there's so much that I need to achieve and I hope I will not be lazy and try to do it. Um for young musicians or people starting out young mm, artists mm. who want to break into the industry what what advice would you have for them? Okay, first advice is to their parents don't push your children onto the stage because the opportunities to perform will present themselves as they are learning and progressing. The aim is to not to go for idols, this child idol, that idol, this idol, all sorts of you know, commercialization of the whole music thing. The main aim is to first of all learn. It's like going to a school. You won't get a degree handed to your handed to you right when you're in kindergarten. You need to pass through all these stages. Only if you pass through all these stages will your child or even yourself, even I got adult students as well, I'll say the same thing. You'll learn only if you have the perseverance and patience. Patience is the most important virtue in learning any art form. And don't rush. Learn, practice. The more practice you do, and if you don't know anything, don't feel shy to ask questions to your teachers. The more questions you ask, the more answers you get and the better you practice and the better you develop. So my suggestion would be not to aim at a performance when you're learning. Learn for the sake of learning, acquire as much knowledge as you can and performances will happen. Because what is the point in performing uh, without knowing what you're doing? Okay, because it won't last long. If you want to last long, develop knowledge and understand the art form that you are into whether it is music or dance, especially with music because I'm being a musician, um, understand your instrument and be with the instrument. Being with the instrument means practicing the instrument more and getting acquainted with the instrument. And it's a long process, but eventually it'll reap benefits. Uh, so my advice to youngsters is to treat music not as a hobby, but as one of the subjects. You go to school every day if they can spend so much time on iPads and uh, television sets, they can definitely give half an hour to the music or, or any art form that they're practicing. And that will definitely give them progress very, very quickly. So the more time you spend with the art, the more better you'll become. And yeah, ask questions, gain knowledge, and then everything else will follow. And the last question that we have is for everyone, actually, mm-hmm. um, is what are we? what are you currently listening to? In terms of music? In terms of music, I'm currently listening to the mistakes I make and trying to <laughs> <laughs> trying to not to do that. You're a proper musician's musician. I can't even say that properly. Probably like a musician's musician answer, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was half <laughs> expecting that answer, to yeah. be honest. I'll only tell them to listen to my grand gurus, whose music is pure. Can I say that? Yes. yes. Their names? Okay. Please listen to the violin of... Dwaram Venkataswami Naidu is a big name. It's a surname of the great master who has introduced uh, solo violin playing to Carnatic music. And by the way, my grand guru was highly appreciated by none other than Ehudi Menehin wow. when he oh. visited Madras. Oh. 
they said there is a great master living in Madras. You need to listen to him. And he said, oh, I have, this is a story told by my teacher. So he said he had only five minutes to listen to because he was having a very busy schedule. He ended up listening to a couple of hours and he went up, went up to my grand guru and told him, you know, I never knew that there is a master like you in this part of the world. You need to come to America with me. Uh, my grand guru never traveled. I never even saw my grand guru because he died before I was born. So these are all the stories I heard. And people need to listen to his music. His music is magic. He, he probably was one of those demigods that was born to show us how music should sound. So similarly, I adore and appreciate and respect my another grand guru. And this time is the flautist uh, T.R. Mahalingam who is who was um, known as Mali, M-A-L-I, Mali. People know him as Mali. And this music will elevate you. It's not just entertainment, it's much more than that. I love listening to my vocal guru, Dr. Balamali Krishna. Um, he's one of my several gurus, but I love his voice and his uh, enunciation and the value he gives to lyrics and his great um, creativity. Also, listen to jazz. I love... John Coltrane's saxophone. Oh, and I like Miles, yes. Miles Davis. These are the main main musicians that I get inspiration from. Beautiful. Amazing. Um, for me, I was listening to a Yugal Bandi because it clear it's it's I don't know why it's called a Yugal Bandi. I know. Yeah, Jugal, Jugal is uh, not the right term. the The right term is Yugal. Yugalam. Oh, is it? Yugalam. Okay, Yugalam means do it. Really? Yeah, Yugalam means do it. Oh, so the CD was right. But like in Bengali <gasps> and other languages. Mind blown. Yeah, but in like in Bengali and other languages, if my name Vijay is pronounced in uh, Kolkata as Bijoy. Bijoy, yes. So really? Yeah. Oh wow. Jugal Jugal Bandi. Jugal has come Jew has come that way. It's actually Yugal Bandi. You're right. The CD is right. I, I thought it was a mistake. So Fantastic. it was a Yugal Bandi. So someone who actually knows the meaning has written on the CD then. Has written on That's the CD. Great. I thought it was a misprint. I mean, it's misspelling of Jugal Bandi, actually. So what was the Yugal uh, Bandi? Centur by Shivkumar Sharmaji and Hari Prasad Jarasiya on mm. flute. That was a fantastic album. It was called Yugal Bandi. Spelled uh, with a Y. Spelled with a Y. Spelled wow. with a Y. That's correct. So that was that was me this week. I've learned something new. I love it. Um, I've just been listening to a lot of Kaushiki Chakravarti, just a lot for some reason recently. I don't know why. The musician you are mentioning belongs to a great uh, lineage. Um, she's Pandit um, Ajay Chakravartiji's daughter. And Ajay Chakravartiji calls Dr. Balmali Krishna, my guru, as his uh, mentor. So he's a great performer, great practitioner. I think that's a I think that's a great way to kind of finish off. So thank Absolutely. you, VJ, for joining us in the studio. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Mohammed, and thank you, Mira, for your time. I think it's thank been you. fascinating. We've learned so much, including Google Bundy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Generation Twenty One podcast with me, Mira, and me, Mohammed. Be sure to check out the podcast page on our website www.saa-uk.org for all episodes, episode note, including our Spotify playlist, where we've compiled all the pieces of music that we have been listening to with our guests. And trust me, you're going to want to hear that eclectic collection. You can find more from Generation 21 on your favourite podcast apps and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook with the handle 
at South Asian Arts UK. See you in our next episode. Bye.